0: Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, do you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach, and let's build that million-dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million-dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome
1: to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people highlighting how the different generations of today, the Boomers, Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z, are redefining work, so that the Industrial Revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S.
0: In this episode, the information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but we do not guarantee that the foregoing matter is accurate or complete. Any opinions of those of Nate Fair are not necessarily those of Raymond James. Raymond James is not affiliated with and does not endorse the opinions or services of the Blue Collar BS podcast co-hosts, Steve Doyle or Brad Hurta. Every investor situation is unique and you should consider your investment goals, risk tolerance, and time horizon before making any investment. Investing involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Be sure to contact a qualified professional regarding your particular situation before making any investments or withdrawal decisions. This matters for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individuals. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The Blue Collar BS podcast helps blue collar business owners like you build a business that'll thrive for decades to come by turning that blue collar BS into some blue collar business solutions. In this episode, You're going to learn about an abundance mindset, also about a career lattice versus
1: a career ladder, how the scorecard changes for each generation,
0: and why information is not the key to success. Our guest today is Nate Fair, a man brought up in the entrepreneurial world and supporting his clients to find their financial independence. We hope you enjoy this show. My friend, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, Mr. Stephen Doyle and yourself.
1: Just a phenomenal day. It's uh, a very great day out, perfect weather, best Michigan weather there is.
0: It's great. It's absolutely. Well, that's, that should be a, uh, a sign for things to come for your birthday today. Is that correct? Today's, at least vacations at least on LinkedIn or uh, Facebook and those types of things say it's your birthday today. So yeah. I don't know if you're a or if it's really your birthday. Today is my birthday
1: today? So it's, uh, I'm celebrating my uh, 29th, 29th anniversary. So.
0: Perfect. Perfect. For those that want to do math, figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. And then
1: subtract, I don't know, maybe 18. <laughs> then you are a millennial. Perfect. I win. I win. So. So, Brad, who do you got on the show today?
0: So today we have on the show a gentleman that we've crossed paths. He and I have crossed paths in the local area here for probably two or three years. We see each other at various events off and on, passing by. He's also an avid golfer, and I somehow need to get to his charity event one of these years because it's an awesome event. All I hear is nothing but good things. Uh, We have Nathan Fair with us, who is a comes from a family of entrepreneurs with a massive financial industry background and opportunity. And he wanted to come in, talk to us today to support our listeners and those entrepreneurs on some thoughts, ideas, and what we can do to support a different avenue of the businesses that we reach so that we can uh, create some more well-roundedness for them. So Nate, I appreciate you being here today and thank you and welcome to Blue Collar BS.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on.
0: So before we get started and before I forget, which generation do you
2: best fit in with? So I know we've talked about this in the past, but I'm I'm in the Xennial.
1: Xennial? We well, got our guests making up words. Like what's going on now? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, oftentimes it's called like the lost generation. I know Brad's gonna laugh at this, but we're too old to be millennials or considered just millennials. You know, we didn't grow up with the phones and the technology and stuff like that. We still had the rotary phones and you know, the, the younger sibling was always the rem- For like
0: two years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a couple long. But then we're we're also not part of Gen X. So it's the, you know, those people born in the late 70s to maybe early 80s. It's kind of a micro generation. But yeah, the Xennials. Xennials.
0: All right. Sure. That's not a category from the select box, but we'll go with it. We'll, we'll just let it. We'll go with it. Because I might fit into that, but I don't relate to that. <laughs>
2: how don't how don't you relate to that to a
1: millennial or a zillennial no i fit solid like more towards the older end of the gen x even though even though i was born in 77 and brad will just shake his head like no 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 he calls me a millennial all the time so he may think i fit into the zillennial but no i am i am i'll probably be more like a boomer myself okay with my attitude
0: Well, yeah. Good thing thing we made this show explicit versus kid-friendly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So Nate, give us a little background on the entrepreneurship for family and then what motivated you down that financial path uh, with your professional
2: career. Yeah. So I actually, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, as you mentioned, stepdad owned a business, grandparents owned a business. Aunts and uncles, like it goes back generations. Uh, the very first family that moved here from Germany back in the early 1800s started started businesses. I mean, that's just kind of what you did. And I grew up with mentality, you know. And again, growing up in the 70s, early 80s, there was definitely a different mindset that if you wanted something, you had to work for it. You had to go out and right. get it. Uh, so at the age of five, I actually got my first job doing odd jobs around our neighborhood. When I was seven. I, I started a a uh, a small business in the neighborhood painting the address numbers on the stoops of the houses in our neighborhood um, mm-hmm. I charged a quarter a number and that's that was my spending money. got a paper out at eight was volleyball instructor did odd jobs handyman driver like you name it, and I did it so I kind of grew up with that mentality of of being scrappy and always trying to make sure that I was taking care of what I can control, my attitude and my activity and and get that that stuff done. We didn't have two nickels to rub together when I was growing up. So I knew I always had to fight for it. Paid my way through private high school and then went to college with student debt and worked two jobs in college. But the experience that I had with my stepdad's business, he owned a manufacturing company that made pewter miniatures for role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, grew up in Ohio and we used to come to Milwaukee for our vacation every year. So I kind of fell in love with this area, but, um, I learned a lot about. About business, you know, about how to treat people, how to talk to people, how to, how to come to compromises, how to work for stuff that you, you know, you wanted, and also the community impact that all of that work can have. Kind of, you know, I grew up with that. So I knew when I went to college, I knew I wanted to be in a, in some sort of financial services role. I wanted, I knew I wanted to be in this industry. And that's that's what I've done. So I've been in this business now for 24 years, and uh, my why has shifted a little bit over the course of the years. But
0: right. over
2: the course of the last 10 years or so, it's been solidly in the working with entrepreneurs, working with business owners to make sure that they have the tools and the framework to make or to be confident in the decisions that they make. And that's that's really my goal. So,
0: and I can uh, speak firsthand uh, about that uh, attitude and desire and. Want to support those entrepreneurs just because we have some some things in common and some people in common in our in our circles. And and um, from my side of it, I can appreciate what you're doing for them. And, and hopefully it's reciprocal as you can. We can get them more opportunity to give you more things so that they can get more things. And everybody's happy. Everybody gets more and uh, they can do what they want to support their mission and purpose in life as well. And
2: 100 um, percent. Yeah, and I That's think one of the things that, that we have in common with most of the people in our network is, uh, is the, an abundance mindset. Just because you have something doesn't mean I can't have it. doesn't mean that, you know, just because I'm an advisor doesn't mean that you can have a relationship with another one. There, there's plenty of demand for everybody's services. I think it's just a matter of finding the right, the right mix.
1: From an abundance mindset, talk to us about what you're seeing from the different generations. hmm And if we can kind of even narrow it down in the blue collar space and how it relates or how it compares to the
2: other spaces that you see people in. So my experience with the generations, uh, and I'll start with that. Mm -hmm. There is a very distinct language that goes with each of the main generations. You know, you say, Hey, let's get something done to a baby boomer. And what's their first reaction to do it, right? Right. How do we, let's, let's get this done. Why is it why is it not done yet? Exactly, exactly. right? Like, and, and it's just hard charging, and then we'll figure it out as we go. And what I've seen is that with millennials, uh, there's a little bit more. Hey, let's work together, Brad, Steve. Let's talk about what needs to be done, and then charge through it. The the uh, Gen X, much more cognitive. A process first. Let's lay out a plan and then attack it. And what I've seen with with the, the younger two youngest two generations, um, whatever you want to call them. They have a stigma about them from older generations that they're lazy, that they don't work. But what mm-hmm. I've seen is that mm-hmm. they are scrappy and they are willing Absolutely. to bust through walls. It's just, it's non-traditional. And I'm going to say non-traditional because it's not traditional for what we've seen. But it's, it's kind of almost full circle where they're almost back to, hey, let's just charge through this. What I see though is the use of technology is kind of the defining factor for each of these generations. Yeah, You know, my generation, baby boomers, the older generations are are action first and then technology. How do we make it efficient after we've already started the process? And I think that the younger generations is going to flip it on the other, flip it the other way.
0: You are you are spot on. There is yeah. there is no doubt about that yeah. at all. Yeah. We don't need, well let's let's get it right first before let's make it as good as we can and then we'll get the technology make it better. And you know what? We're too busy. We're not going to use the technology.
2: Yep. Right. right. Yeah, and then and then you wonder why you're not able to go on vacation. It's because you're working eighty hours a week doing stuff that could be done, you know, in, in a with an automated system, you know, in twenty hours a week. So, yeah, it's it's been interesting to have those conversations, and the way I apply what I do also is dependent on the generation because it's it's how those people want to receive the information as well.
0: Okay. So how many? So Gen Z is going to be like twenty six and younger.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How 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 those? And you kind of meant talked about. Yes, they're using technology first, scrappy, get through it. How do you see their mindset towards money and long term? Right, because that's part of the world you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, um are are they seeing a a much longer picture or are they seeing a two to three year window and then another two to three year window and another two to three year window where some of the maybe the mid you know you're kind of that older millennial side but that mid generation millennials kind of just it's two years and let's move on to the next thing two mm-hmm. years move on to the next thing have you seen a shift at all in that type of mindset as to what that what the marathon looks like
2: yeah i think that the the media would portray gen you know gen z as you know, having the, the attention span of a gnat or a fruit fly, or, you know, the two, the two years and then move on. I've seen it, I've seen it the other way. I think that the execution of their attention is in two to three year spurts. But I think that their, their goals are still long term. I think the term retirement, I, I retired the term retirement. I don't use the word retirement when I'm working with my clients. I use the word financial independence. Because you can be you know, 40 years old and be financially independent, but you're still going to be working. You could also be 80 years old and mm-hmm. still be working. So even though you're financially independent, you're not retired. So I think that that's one definition change. That's one change that's happened as you kind of go down in the generations is that they don't think of the to work someplace for 25 years, get a gold watch, and then sail off in the sunset. They think, hey, I'm going to do this because I'm really passionate about it for two to three years or five years or 10 years. And then I'm going to switch to something else. So the career ladder that we all grew up with and our parents grew up with and our grandparents grew up with is now more like a, a career lattice where you might go up and then over and then up and over. And then you might come back and work with people that you worked with 10 years ago on in a different context or a different different project uh, so I see that far more with the younger generations than I do with with you know my generation and older
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's a huge shift so we're still looking at long term goals we're still talking about you know being able to the their why being able to spend more time with friends and family and do more uh, you know philanthropic work 20 thirty years from now, but the way they get there is broken down into smaller steps right I also feel like the Gen Zs, and what's the newest generation? Gen Alpha, I think, is what they're being called.
0: Alpha would be the twelve years and younger, eleven years and younger.
2: Yeah, but uh, what I see there is that fil- uh, philanthropic goals are much more prevalent uh, amongst the younger, the younger generations than it is in our generation and older. Uh, the scorecard for our generation was net worth, and the scorecard for younger generations is net worth plus. It's net worth pl- plus with the community. Uh, involvement might be.
0: So all right let's go down that path for one minute before we get back because because here's one of the things that I've witnessed at least in my through my career and and working with a lot of different small manufacturers and different things the philanthropy side of things took place but they didn't talk they did it mm-hmm. they took care of it you you might have your name in the you know in the annual at the high school that you donate right here's the theater from so-and-so family or whatever it is but it wasn't public
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. whereas i think the today it's oh look at me what i'm doing versus just going out and doing it so i don't know well, so i guess that would be my perception so help yeah. me help me see if my perception is right wrong and different
2: i i think that social media kind of takes that right um you know, the, the prevalence of the, to- the TikToks, the LinkedIn's, the Facebooks, you know, all of, the, all of the different social medias leads us to believe. And again, I think that that's the difference between what the media wants us to believe and what the portrayal is versus what's actually happening. I work with several entrepreneurs who are, you know, under 30. So they're, you know, old Gen Z um, and, and their philanthropic giving, their, their work, it might not be money, you know, so they're not going to have the brick. They're not going to have their name in the back of the, you know, the, the, the playbill. They're not going to have their name out there, but they're going to go work at the food shelter at, for an hour every week, or they're going to donate a portion of their proceeds or match, mm-hmm. match certain giving. I've done more work with my younger clients on donor advised funds, structured giving, philanthropic efforts, some that are very public and some that are not, than I do with any of my older clients. Because usually the the conversation I have with my older clients is, when I die, I want this much money of my life insurance to go to this charity. Oftentimes, that's kind of what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, With the younger clients, it's like, hey, I make X number of dollars today. I'm comfortable. I'm paying myself first. I'm saving. My business is growing. I'm doing those things. I want to give now, and I want to have an impact now. And again, some people are, you know, they want the ego trip. Some people don't, but I just think it's a lot more prevalent. And I honestly, the environment I'm in, and I ha- I've I've worked on a couple of charity boards and and things like that. You want more donors as opposed to bigger donors. If you could have Correct. both, awesome. <laughs> but you want more people you can spend your message or send your message to than big donors to send Correct. your message to. And I think that's kind of the the shift I've seen. Okay. Very interesting.
1: Hmm. We've talked about abundance mindset. We've talked about Kind of like scorecards and what they think is important. What are some challenges that you're seeing in, the, in your space today that you'd like to help educate both the boomers, the Gen X, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha? And we'll throw millennials in there too.
2: Yeah. No, and I think this is kind of prevalent across all the generations. Uh, my competition isn't the advisor down the street mm-hmm. at all. My competition is Amazon Alexa. My competition is chat GPT and it's, it's mostly because, and it's just like, you know, Home Depot has been around for, for decades, right? Mm -hmm. The tools have been there for decades, but how you use the tools, that's where the advisor comes in and not everybody, and not every advisor has all the, you know, all the strengths to use all the different tools. Mm -hmm. I have the tools that, and I've honed those tools and the use of those tools for my very specific clientele, but there are people that I'm not great for. That some mm-hmm. other advisor might be great for, and I think that's that's the big the big message that I would give to people is that we could all use help, right? none of us get got to where we are today, none of us will get to the next stage that we want to get to alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: but technology has made it easy for people to get information, and they think information is the, the, the key to the success. It's the application of the information for your situation. That's the key to the success. Great point.
0: That is a spectacular point. And that, and I'm just thinking through, you know, the different home builders, remodelers, all those other things, right? The, all the guys that are, you know, windows, doors, and more, Mm -hmm. and they're there. Oh yeah, I can, I can redo your wood floors. Because, Well, they don't know anything about wood floors, and they go rent the the power sander, and they just ruin it completely. And now the and now you've destroyed your business because you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Instead of finding the find the who and not the how, and I think that application of information is is vast. It's probably the most important point, and especially for those, you know, that young entrepreneur that went out might have worked for the organization, mm-hmm. then went own. Wanted to be the plumber, the electrician, the, the whatevers, that's great. They got information. They know how to do the one thing, but they didn't see all the other support systems that help those large organizations be successful.
2: Yeah. It's the, the myth of the overnight success as well. I think that that's, mm-hmm. that, that's come up in conversation a lot lately that, oh, so, well, so-and-so did it, you know, and this person did that, and this person did this, but they there's a discounting of the 20 years of expertise that got to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, if we could, if we could dispel that, and again, I mean, it's kind of funny that you bring this up because a couple of years ago, we needed to do some tile or have some tile work done in our bathroom. And, you know, we went through the, you know, the referrals and nothing, you know, everybody was too busy and all this other stuff. And literally we had a guy show up in our, in our driveway one, one day to give us a bid. And he's literally watching a YouTube video on how to retile a bathroom shower surround. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to stop you right there. Like, clearly this isn't the right job for you. <laughs> so you
1: didn't hear, it, it,
2: he was in the and more section. He was living <laughs> outside of his expertise. So yeah. I, don't know, I, and the, the two best days in my career, honestly, the two best days of my career, one was when I learned how to say no effectively.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Look, we're just not meant to work together or your goals don't align with my expertise or my strengths, uh, the tools that I have available, et cetera. That allowed me to have deeper relationships with fewer people, but it was still a very, I mean, try, kind of think of it like a shotgun approach to, to working with people. The second right. best day of my career w- was when I learned who I wanted to work with, who I best serve. Mm-hmm. When I could put a name on the person or, or entity that I best serve, it dramatically shrunk the number of people that I can, I work with, but it allowed me to actually then fully exercise all the tools and use all the tools that I have available. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: You got the alphabet after your name from all these other things that you've done, and one of them is out is SEPA, right? The Certified Exit Planning Association. Uh, Congratulations! That's a very, very important piece of of business for our. And most of our listeners are to that younger side of things where they're not even thinking about exit. Are there things that they should be worried about today? That can make that transition or be prepared for opportunity. Mm-hmm. They might not be thinking about, and that's, I know I, I preach this to people, be prepared for opportunity because you just don't know what's going to come around. If somebody wants to give you a really big flat check, you should be able to say yes.
2: Yes, absolutely. The, uh, the most important, or the, the, the perfect time to start planning for your exit is the day after you incorporate or set up your LLC. Um, The very, the very first day you have your shingle out is the day you should start be planning for your exit for two reasons. One, because we, we as business owners, as entrepreneurs have been sold this fallacy that we should try to make ourselves indispensable to our business, right? That we should be the center of our business, that it should be absolutely dependent on us, Mm -hmm. but the, the opposite is true that we should be trying to find our replacement Whether it's technology or another person or another team or a process, we should be trying to replace ourselves as quickly as possible if we truly want to be entrepreneurs, if we truly want to be business owners, because then that allows us to do the things that we're passionate about that we might be really good at. But also then it helps us spread the influence that we can have to more people, right? More effectively. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason that you should start thinking about your exit as soon as possible. The second reason, quite honestly, is financial. I get contacted pretty frequently from people who, are say, who say things like, you know, hey, by the end of the year, and here we are you know, in September, end of September, by the end of the year, I want to be out of my business. <laughs> okay, A, we can't even come close to closing a sale of the <laughs> business in the next two months, but you're leaving money on the table when you don't think about that stuff in advance. Whether it's your business structure, are you a C-Corp, an S-Corp, an LLC, a partnership, things like that. How you do your accounting.
0: First of all, you said how you're doing your accounting. How you yes, meant
2: you're yourself. doing accounting.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I, I jumped ahead there. I made assumptions. Yeah,
0: you went um, a couple steps ahead for some of this.
2: <laughs> you know, but again, as you kind of go through that life cycle of owning a business and then, you know, eventually you get through the growth phase and you're in the maintenance phase and then you're in the exit strategy. And if you don't have a, a succession plan or an exit strategy, As you get into the maintenance phase, you're behind the eight ball because you've already set up structures in your business that now you have to undo possibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully that was a a, a thorough answer to a short question.
0: That was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. So obviously you're here in the Milwaukee area. We have a lot of listeners here in the Wisconsin area, but for those that don't know who you are and aren't in the area, what is the best way for them to find you? Contact you, and just have a conversation to to learn more about your knowledge, skills, and expertise to support them.
2: So, two ways. Um, I always encourage people to go to LinkedIn, Hawksview Wealth Management on LinkedIn, or Nate Nate Fair on LinkedIn with the Alphabet Soup afterwards um, <laughs> is always a good place to start. The other place to start would be um, or to look would be my website, um, which is just hawksviewwealth.com. Uh H a w k s v i e w W E A L T H dot com. And there's a lot of information about what we do, who we work with, um, how we how we help those people. Um, uh, but then also all the contact information. All I ever ask from uh like if you're interested and you wanna talk you know, people want to talk, just have a fifteen minute Zoom conversation or we grab a coffee or, or something like that. It's really just a time for us to get together and, and find out a little bit more about one another to make sure there's a fit.
0: Okay. And then how do they get to your golf outing? That's the better <laughs> Those are that's my- have room for more people to be at your golf outing? Are you sold out?
2: We do have room, um, but it's a very specific event. So my goal with the golf outing, A, is to bring together clients, prospects, um, centers of influence in the area. So w- internally, we call it our client appreciation and connection event. So it's really a, when, when clients hire me, they hire my Rolodex as well. You know, it helps bring those people to the table uh, that are going to help them get forward. So that's, that's the first group. The second part is just making sure that, you know, we raise some money for a charity. And each year we have a different charity. Um, this last year, we raised about $6,800 for the charity that was our our recipient with 83 participants. So uh, yes, we have room. Contact me. Let's have a coffee. Let's make sure there's a fit. We can all help one another. And then absolutely, we can, we can talk about that. So. Spectacular. Steve, if you make it out from the Detroit area, let me know. Brad, you're, yeah. you're going to be on the list again next year. So.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I really appreciate uh, the insight you brought to help our listeners gain a little bit more insight and understanding. And uh, I hopefully, I want them to reach out and find opportunity because that's the important part, right? That planning is what's more important than, than execution most of the
2: time. Absolutely.
0: So, thank you, Nate, for being with us today. We really appreciate thank
2: it. Thank you for having Bye. me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS. Brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herda. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.